Welcome to Charter School Conversations, a weekly podcast for the Utah Charter School community. I'm your host, Gina James, with the Utah Association of Public Charter Schools. We'll do a little board training, have conversations with charter school leaders, and touch on issues that affect us all. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. I'm joined by Joylyn Lincoln, who is the Director of Training with UAPCS. She is a former teacher, a charter school board member, a lover of all things policy, and a general charter school expert. So if there's something you need to know, she's your gal. Joy Lynn is going to talk with us today about charter school board meeting structure. This is a fascinating topic. <laughs> this is something, it's important. It's I mean, so important. It's like under the label of boring, but important. It's the difference between an efficient board meeting and a four-hour board meeting. And why is that important? Because <laughs> nobody <laughs> has four hours for a board meeting every month. I know it's so important, I think, as charter school board members and especially chairs who are setting the agenda to recognize we are volunteers. These people are volunteers and we want to make good, efficient use of time. So this is why we decided it's so important to talk about board meeting structure. So start us off. What is like top priority of board meeting structure? What can we do to make sure that our meetings are efficient and good and we get good stuff done? I think the most important thing is to convince yourself that structure is important. And to do that, just take each board member's average salary. And if you don't know, $50 is about what an average board member makes in their regular life. Multiply it out by four hours, add in your director. You're going to come up with a sum of around $1,000 for that board meeting. So every time you go in for a four-hour board meeting, just start adding up how much it's going to cost you. So having a good structure saves the school money. Because time is money. People's time, time is, is money. And as board members are not compensated, if you have board members that are irritated by how long or how difficult it is to get things done in a board meeting, they're not going to stay in your board meeting for a long time. And it's kind of can be a challenge to get quality board members that know what's going on. And once someone's trained, you want to retain those as long as allowed in your bylaws so that you have that continuity of the board. So that's why board structure is so important. And I like a predictable structure. So I like to really establish a structure that feeds off of the culture of the school and then just continue it month after month. So you're just always dropping items in to the same spot. So I think one of the first things to do is everybody likes to start with public comment, but I don't think it belongs at the beginning of your board meeting. Really? Why is that? I like to put it after the reports. I want the public to come to the board meeting. I want them to hear the reports, to know what's going on financially at the school, what the director's doing with academics, what the board members are doing with governance, so that they really get a feel for what is going on at the school, and then allow them to talk. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so let's talk about, and there is so much flexibility and leeway. There's no set way that you have to set up your agenda. But let's maybe talk about what a sample agenda would look like. Okay. So I really like to start off um, with your welcome and your Pledge of Allegiance. I always do the Pledge of Allegiance because in Utah, it says we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance at school at least once a week. Figure board members should lead off with example and make that a part of their board meeting. 
Then I get into reports. I want to know what the directors, what's happening at the school. Are we achieving the goals in the charter? Are we meeting our ends policies? What things are happening? What good things are happening at the school? That's an opportunity for your director to just really brag about what's going on, what's really good, and really spend some time delving into the academics, what's going on academically. So I really like that director's report to take almost, you know, 30 minutes really delving into the academics. Now, on the caveat of that, it shouldn't be more than 30 minutes. We don't want a director's report that goes on for hours and hours and hours and hours. A director can submit their report in writing and the board members can read it. But that 30 minutes allows some time to have some dialogue and really delve into what amazing things are going on at the school. Kind of the highlight reel and of the really last month. It really is, the highlight reel. And then getting into the academics, that those academics are forefront in that report that they really shine and that you understand how you're meeting the charter goals. From there, I really think you need to spend about 30 minutes in your financial reports. Really delve into what's going on. And for most schools in Utah, they're authorized by the State Charter School Board. And I know that the portfolio managers and the staff up there will go through your minutes and they're looking to see if you understand as a board member, what your financial obligations are and that you understand the reports and how important that is. So if you just have reports that are submitted and everybody goes, no questions, and we look to the treasurer and we call it good, you're probably not doing your due diligence and you're fulfilling your fiduciary responsibility on the board. Really should spend about 30 minutes going through that report and making sure it's accurate and then having a motion to accept those financials. Then after that, I really think you're going to have a board report. Have the board members talk about what amazing things they've done. Really let them shine. And that board report should focus in on how well things are going or reports from committee work. So I was going to say, when you do that, how do you break out the responsibilities for for that? How Who gives the board report? What does that look like? So usually um, a board report is an opportunity for any board member to give a report or it can be assigned. Really kind of depends on the personality of your board or an opportunity for the committee heads to report at that point. Okay. So in some boards, at least I was on a board at a charter school for a while and we just had committee reports. So it was, it worked out very well. We had development committee, we had a finance committee, which the financial report kind of fell under. We had a uh, the governance committee that reviewed policies. So is that something that would fit within that section? Yeah, that's a okay. perfect fit in there. It's also a really good opportunity if a board member has been to a training during the month to just report back and have that reflected in the minutes. Again, it's required in the state of Utah for all board members to attend three char- or three charter school trainings a year. So just having that in your minutes makes it super easy for your authorizer to make sure that you're fulfilling that responsibility. Would that be a good place if you were doing an in-house board training, such as listening to an excellent <laughs> podcast or um, something of, you know, a similar kind of, yeah, you know, that's perfect okay, to just good. squeeze that right in there to focus in on governance. Um, a lot of board members are worried about spending time in training, but I think it's important to practice your craft and to get better at it and to learn skills and tools to help make your school run more efficiently by having board training. Great. What's next? That's when I finally get to my public comment. I really like to allow the public to comment. Um, and it's important on your agenda that you make sure you spell out the, the, the rules or the way it's going to happen in your school. Every school is going to approach that public comment a little bit separate. And it's not required in the state of Utah. But I think it's just really good PR to have that opportunity for people to come and speak on something that's on the agenda or not on the agenda. So what are some guidelines for that? What do you see as kind of best practices as far as timing or 
how how that works in practical in practical terms. And I'm thinking kind of worst case scenario, there's a real hot button topic. And so you end up with a boardroom full of people. Do you have them sign up ahead of time? I mean, what are what are the parameters on that? Um, I think your parameters need to be consistent. And you should probably spell out exactly how that's going to be like on the backside of your agenda. So everybody attending the board meeting knows exactly how that's going to flow. Um, whether they're going to be allowed two minutes to speak, if they need to sign up ahead of time. Um, if you're going to allow everybody to speak or only 15 people to speak, just have that as part of your agenda at the end, just that pattern of formality or the rules of order as included on your agenda. So everybody knows coming to the meeting exactly what to expect. So really, it's up to the school to set those parameters. It's up to that organization. And as long as people are aware, then, you know, it's it's not going to say, well, I should have three minutes to speak. You know, it's like, no, this is what we do here. Now, talk a little bit about, I want to, I want to spend a little bit of time on this because it can kind of derail our board meeting structure at times Mm -hmm. if it gets into a back and forth with board members. So when you say public comment, what do you mean? So I allow the public to comment on whatever they would like to, but it's not a time for discussion. And boards are under very strict open meeting laws where they can't talk about or make decisions on anything not on their agenda. So again, putting that in your pattern pattern of formality, that it's an opportunity for the public to express their opinion on an item, but that the board won't be able to take action on it that night. Okay, so it's not necessarily a back and forth discussion with board members to explain why a school has a certain policy. It literally is a time for them to stand up, say their piece, it's recorded, and then it can be addressed in a future board meeting as long as it's noticed and then people are aware that something Uh, a vote or something will be taken on it later if it's an issue that needs a vote. Yeah. And there's some common courtesies that you can do with your public comment too. If somebody's really concerned about it after they sit down, you can simply have a staff member follow up with them either that night or the next day saying, Hey, I heard that you were concerned about the dress code and the color of the shirts. Um, Just wanted to let you know this perspective and give them that background and that feedback. Um, And then if it needs to come back on the agenda, let them know that it'll be on the next agenda. And then one thing I always really like to do is have the secretary write a thank you note. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and speak in a meeting, to come to a meeting. And as charter schools, we really want our parents to be involved in our school. So to say, hey, we, we thank you for taking the time to come and participate in our meeting and, and give us that feedback. It allows a community of collaboration, even though you didn't make any decisions or act on their, their comment that night, it makes them feel valued and important and part of the solution. Oh, that's a great suggestion. So the board secretary is the one who sends that. Or whoever you want. I mean, you just assign a board member. Usually it's the secretary or an assistant secretary. It could be a school secretary. But I just think that allows for greater collaboration because they feel valued. They feel a part of the school. No, that's a great suggestion. All right. So after we have public comment, now there's still some business to be had with the board. So what comes next? So a lot of schools will have um, a board business. And people think that that means that they can add something to the agenda. So a board member could say, hey, in board business, I want to add this policy um, because I feel really passionate about it or something happened and we should discuss it. That's not really a time to add things to the agenda. But your board business might be a portion of your agenda where you um, go over roles and responsibilities, have everybody sign the conflict of interest form, um, determine the calendar for the board meeting, talk about rescheduling a board meeting. It's an opportunity to take care of some just business that doesn't need a motion 
um, and isn't tied to policy, but just housekeeping for the board. But all of those items should be listed under board business when you post your agenda. So it's not a surprise and it's not an, a free-for-all add-on. Well, especially it seems like if if you do have to change a meeting time or you know come up with something else just so those board members can speak to it without being caught off you know off guard and go oh i got to check my calendar still oh this is you know yeah you can make committee assignments during that portion you could have committee reports if you didn't have them earlier it's just a chance to take care of housekeeping for the board but it still needs to be listed on your agenda with specificity then there's the consent agenda that's one of my most favorite underutilized items on an agenda and this is where we can group group a whole bunch of items that don't really require any discussion um, items that are simply just a contract that's a renewal or possibly minutes to be approved. Um, maybe a policy that we looked at the month before and everybody was super in favor with the changes that were made and we just wanted to bring it back the next month. It allows us to approve, you know, one to 10 thing items with a single motion. The caveat is, is they all have to be items that need no discussion. So your consent agenda could have one item on it which really defeats the purpose, or it could have 10 items. Um, if something does need to have discussion, though, any board member could vote to remove something from the consent agenda and place it as an action item, and then they could discuss it at that point. So you're saying as part of approving the consent, consent agenda, when that motion is made, if a board member wants to single out one of the items, they could just say, oh, I you know, motion to remove this item, and then you could vote on the consent agenda as as modified there. Yeah. Okay, perfect. That's great because that can really take a lot of kind of inane things that, you know, like if minutes don't need correction, that kind of thing. But it really does put it on the board members to make sure they're prepared for the board meeting, which I think is a really important point. This good board structure only works if people come prepared having read the packet, reading the financials, looking over the consent agenda and those items. And the consent agenda can really save you time, especially if you have a board member that likes to hear themselves talk and they talk about every item. And you all are rolling your eyes because you know that board member. Don't be that board member. <laughs> so it just can really save some time by bringing that in as a single vote. Great. All right. So you voted on your consent agenda. You're getting some things done. You're moving along. About how long should we be in the meeting at this point? We should be into the meeting about an hour and a half at this point. Okay. Depending on the public comment, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so then we're getting toward the end, right? Because my understanding is the ideal timing would be kind of between about an hour and a half, two hours to get all of your board business done. It really is. And if you notice up until this point, other than our consent agenda, we haven't even taken any action. We're just hearing reports because our board job is to determine how well we are doing, how well we are doing in governance, how well our students are doing academically, how well we're staying in our budget, how well we're um, fulfilling the charter goals. So we really want to spend a lot of time gathering that information so that we really understand how well our school is doing. It's great. And not to mention the time that you spent preparing for the board meeting too. <laughs> okay. So what's next? I always like to do policy review. So a lot of boards will pass policy and then never look at them again. Well, if they have a policy that's not being followed at the school and something happens and somebody sues you, if you're not having that policy carried out as it was passed, they can put some liability on the board. 
So I always like to do a review of policy and put two or three policies on and just kind of make a calendar so you're reviewing all of your policies about once every two to three years. Um, It's a little ambitious to try to do them all in a year. But you want to ask four really important questions when you're reviewing policy. You want to know how um, how are we staying in compliance with the policy? How well are we doing? How do we know we're in compliance with the policy? What evidence do we have of that? And do we need to make a change? And if we need to make a change, then it's great. We can bring that back next month. If we don't have enough evidence, we can assign a board member to go gather evidence and bring it back in their report the following month. Um, it just gives us an opportunity to look at the, the, each policy, make sure that we're, we're following them as written, not as we think they were written, and that, um, they're still in compliance with the state code because the code changes every year. Well, I was just about to mention that that's going to be really important, especially after the legislative session, to make sure that if there's any new policies or any change that need to occur, that those are taken care of. What are some policy examples of that, that, the legislators kind of added some policies in the last few years that were like, oh, make sure you have one of these. <laughs> I can think of one, the concussion policy. Yeah. I know that's become really big to make sure that that there's structure that you're going to follow if somebody has an incident at your school. Another one is the fee waiver policy. We've seen a lot of changes to that made in code in the last couple of years. I think we finally got to like a good settled spot where everybody's feeling really comfortable with it. But you just need to always kind of watch that. I always like to look, um, UAPCS does a recap of the session in May, and we'll go through all of the policies that need to be updated at that time. Because we do, we want to make sure that the schools are in compliance. And so we, we do try to get that get that out. But if you have any questions about some policies or um, different sample policies on our website, in our resource library, it's utahcharters.org. And we're going to you know, constantly be updating that resource library to just give you some wording that you will need to adapt for your own school for sure. But just to give you some ideas of maybe how that can be applied to your school. All right, so we've gone over policy and we've voted and discussed and approved on, well, you discuss first and then vote on (laughs) those policies, then what? Well, then you're down to your action items. New policies that need to be approved or policies that have been changed that we need to approve, contracts that need to be approved. It's where we actually do the action of the board meeting. And some people think that should be the bulk of the meeting. But if you look at this, we're down to about 15 minutes left of the board meeting, and we're going to be able to nail out that action, those action items in about 15 minutes. Now, it doesn't mean that the other hour and 45 minutes were ineffective or a poor use of our time, because we really have a good understanding of how well our school is operating. When you go over some of those action items, what if there is quite a bit of break between the opinions of people in the board? What if some of those aren't complete? Uh, Some of the policies or there's just so much discussion and change. What do you do? Do you just vote on it anyway? Or do you, so there's what a happens? couple of different ways. Um, the chair is really responsible for the flow of that at that point. How long or how often he's going to let each board member speak? It's really often if we have that in our rules of or our pattern of formality, that each board member is going to speak to an item once or twice or three times or limit their comments, then it's not a surprise and we're not going back and forth. Oftentimes, after about two and a half hours, you really just get going back and forth and you're not going to reach a resolution. Um, and don't be afraid. There's nothing that usually has to be voted on that night to say, hey, we're going to table this, gather some more information, come back and talk about it next time. Because when there's a lot of discussion, that usually means there's a lack of information. 
And one thing I've seen, I don't know if this would apply in the situation, a lot of those fine-tuning details happen in committee. And so if you have a governance committee and there's policy and you need several iterations of that policy, then that small group of some board members, not, you know, not a, a quorum by any means, because that would be a full board meeting. But if you have committees that have input from others, then you can fine tune that so that when you bring it to the full board, it is in a fairly complete, non-controversial form, right? So that that action can be taken. And if we have committees, we really want to honor their work. We don't want to rehash everything that they discussed in the board meeting. We need to trust that we've appointed appropriate people to the committees, that they've done their due diligence, and they're being bringing forth the best option for the school. So I think that's important to remember, too, that it's not the board's job to rehash all of the committee work. If you want to rehash all that committee work, you need to get yourself on that committee. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, so we've done the action items. Then what happens? Oh, then we get to almost that favorite um, motion of the whole meeting, the motion to adjourn, which is really a funny one because in Robert's rules, when you get to the end of your agenda, you can just be done. You don't even need a motion. That's so funny. Well, and when you talk about the pattern or formality in the whole board meeting structure, that is Robert's rules. And we're going to do a whole separate podcast on just some of the basics of Robert's rules. But that basically is just an organizational structure and a way for everybody to be heard and for there to be decisions made. (laughs) It forces decisions to be made within that structure. So we'll talk about that more in, in detail. But I think that's helpful to notice that that Robert's rules have been kind of guiding how the meeting flows and keeping it moving forward. What else do we need to know about board structure? So my favorite board meeting to ever attend is a charter school in Utah. And at the beginning of the meeting, each board member would guess or put make their prediction as to what time the meeting would end. And the board chair would just average up the ending. And when they got to that time, she, the board chair would simply say, we've got to the time where we thought that discussion would be done. Are we at a spot where we're ready to stop or do we need to add a few more minutes to finish a discussion? But that really kept that board focused. They came to the board meeting prepared with exactly how long they thought the the discussion would be necessary. And then they stayed focused through that whole board meeting because they wanted to end at the time commitment that they had made with each other. So is that to say that it's more important to go by time or to try to get the business of the board done? Like, where's the balance in that? I think the balance of that isn't everybody coming prepared because every meeting isn't decided to end at exactly 90 minutes. Each time the board members would come saying, hey, I've read through all of this information and I feel we should be able to get through this agenda and appropriately have great discussion, make the best decisions of our school in X amount of time. Okay. And I think that's a really important distinction is we're not suggesting that by having a certain board meeting structure, you should be able to boom, 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 get everything done. And that without giving it the importance and the weight that it needs that you do need to do for running a school, you know, for governing over a school, but that if we keep in mind the efficiencies that we can have by being prepared ahead of time, then you can have really great, really effective meetings that honor people's time. And that's important because that time really is valuable. It's not just all donated time. It it really does come at a cost. Well, I really appreciate our conversation. I think that we've covered everything. Did I miss anything? Are we missing anything about having a good board meeting structure? 
I think just making sure that your pattern of formality is just written down for everybody to know what it is. For the public, for your board members, for your school staff and admin that come to the meeting, we want to make sure that everybody's aware of where we're going, right? Having a really good roadmap, that really helps us know that final destination, which is to be one of the excellent public charter schools in Utah. And we appreciate it. So we're here to help and support you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope that this information has been helpful and look forward to visiting with you again. The Utah Association of Public Charter Schools is a nonprofit organization that provides training, advocacy, and technical support to promote excellence in Utah's public charter schools. Learn more about us on our website at utahcharters.org.